Welcome to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our topic today is about the return of Elijah the prophet and this is the second part of the series on Elijah the prophet. The Bible says that when Elijah comes back in the last days, he comes back with the greatest, the most thrilling, the most important message that the human race has ever heard. Today, you're going to hear that message. The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer, and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. The reason that God, sa God sent John the Baptist was to get the world ready for Jesus at his first coming. You see? That's why John the Baptist came, and he came, my friend, like a thunderbolt from God. And I want you to know something. The great churches in the days of John the Baptist rejected his ministry. Do not think for one moment that truth will ever be popular. Truth is not popular. Did you know that? Some people say, I'm in the biggest church, and therefore that is the proof that I'm in the right. My friend, it is more likely it is a proof that you are in the wrong, because truth has never had too many friends. You know that? Jesus had 12 disciples. Jesus, my friend, was hunted and hounded by the Pharisees and finally rejected by the churches. The Bible tells me that God raised up a man. His name was John. And John came with a mighty message to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus. The most unpopular message that had ever been preached. But it was the truth of God. It was the same message in substance that was preached by Elijah the prophet. And my friend, I want you to know tonight, you hear me please, in the name of the Lord. As Whitfield said, if I had come to speak in my own name, if I had come by my own authority, you need not listen, said the great English preacher Whitfield. But he said, I have come in the name of the Lord of hosts, and I will, and I must be heard. That was the message of Whitfield. I want to tell you, my friend, the message of Elijah is not an ordinary message. It is a message that has come in the name of the Lord God of hosts, and it must and it will be heard. You hear that? And it is that dynamic presentation of Reformation truth that is going to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want to say to you, you and I ought to ponder very carefully this message. I want to say to you, my friend, we ought to deal with it with great, great care because if it is the message of God, woe unto us if we turn from it. But the blessings of heaven upon us if we walk in the light. Now, I want you to notice what things were like in the days of Elijah. 
because those things are repeated in the last days. Come to page 362. 1 Kings chapter 16. Chapter 16, verse 29. And this will give you some historical background. We need to have the historical background to the days of Elijah. 1 Kings, notice the texts, my beloved Christian friends. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 29. It describes the religious climate in the days of Elijah. Notice it there in your own Bible. Look up the text. 1 Kings 16. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab the son of Omri became the king over Israel, and he, my friend, was a sun worshipper. Now Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass, as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of, of Nebat, he did more than that. The Bible says that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. He became a confirmed sun worshipper. Then he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. And they had done a lot, but this man was worse than the lot. Now, my friend, here is the king of Israel. This is not, I tell you, my friend, this is not the king of Egypt. This is not the king of the Babylonians, but this is the very king of Israel. This, my friend, is the king of God's people. And the Bible tells me that the king of God's people married a woman by the name of Jezebel, and Jezebel brought right into the camp of Israel the heathenism of the Babylonians, and they worship Baal, the sun god. I want you to think about this. Here is God's own nation. This is like America back there. Here is God's own nation, filled with churches, filled with temples, filled with preachers, plenty of sermons. God's own people, God's own king, married my friend to Jezebel, and through her seductive wiles, the very religion of the Babylonians was brought right into the camp of the children of Israel. And God said... I've had enough. And God said, I'm going to find me a man. And God looked around and he found a man. God always has his man when the time is ripe. You know that? God, this world, my friend, has never wanted God's man. When the time is ripe, my friend, as in the days of, of John Wesley, when England, my friend, had turned away from the living God, there came a man riding on horseback, John Wesley. God's man. 
And when things had gone down to the very bottom in the days of Israel, God said, I will find me a man. And God found him a man. And that man's name was Elijah the Tishbite. Oh, he was no ordinary clergyman. He was not the sort of minister who went around and had little afternoon chats with the ladies and drank cups of tea and coffee. Elijah, my friend, was a man's man. And Elijah came from the very presence of God and he had a, a, a tongue of fire. And a coal was burning deep inside his soul. And his message, my friend, was hot off the heart of God. Elijah, God's man. Oh, he was not a popular man. He was hated by all the preachers. He was hated by all the churches. He was hated by the king. And he was hated by that witch who slept with the king. Because he challenged her. God's man. Come to 1 Kings 18 and verse 4. And so it was, while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, a time of religious persecution, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets, hidden them 50 to a cave, fed them with bread and water. What does it sound like, my friend? It sounds like the dark ages, doesn't it? God's prophets being persecuted by a false religious system. And notice what else happened. Come down to verse 17 and 18 on the same page, the same chapter. Notice it in the Scriptures. Notice it there. Then it happened when Ahab, this weak-kneed king of Israel, who was ruled by a woman, then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Are you the man who is calling, causing the trouble here? Are you the man? Are you the man who is making trouble in America? Are you the man who is making trouble in this city? Are you the man who is stirring up the trouble? Notice what he says. Verse 18, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. You have followed the Baals. Oh, my friend, here is no weakling. Here is no man, my friend, who trembles in the presence of this corrupt king. But, my friend, he looks the king in the eye and he says, I haven't troubled Israel, but you have troubled Israel because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed Baal. And the king, who said he wanted to get Elijah and kill him, stands there and does nothing because the Lord is there with Elijah. You see? There's something very interesting that happened in Elijah in, in Israel during Elijah's time. There had been a drought. I want you to come now to page 1185 to James 5.17. 
11185, James chapter 5 and verse 17. Turn over here to this text. James chapter 5 and verse 17. It is a very, very interesting uh, little commentary on this time in, in Israel's history. James chapter 5 and verse 17. James 5 verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and for six months. Man alive. That's interesting. Did you get that? Didn't rain in the days of Elijah for three and a half years. Did you folk get that? I wonder if there's any significance to this. I'm going to come over here to the blackboard, and I'm going to put up one of the most remarkable parallels in the history of Bible prophecy. And when you folks see this, you folk, I believe, are going to be jumping out of your seats and you're going to be saying, God, help me to get back and get ready for the coming of Jesus. That's what you're going to be saying. If anybody here tonight came in here uncertain and you've been saying, will I or won't I, will I or won't I, tonight you're going to go out and you're going to say, I will, I will, I will, because I'm going to listen to the voice of God. Now, let me come here to the blackboard. The Bible says that there was a drought, a great famine in the land. The Bible says there was a famine in Israel, and it lasted for how long? Three and a half years, or how many days? 1260 days. And during this time, my friend, the religion of Jezebel the religion of Jezebel was supreme. Can you start to see something now? My friend, here is a period in the time of Israel when there is a famine in the land and the, and the prophets of God are being persecuted. And so we can write here, here is a time of persecution. And not only, my friend, is there a time of persecution, it is the time, now notice this, it is the time when sun worship, sun worship has come right into the very church of God and people, my friend, even though they profess to be worshiping God, in fact, they are worshiping as the Babylonians worshiped. Now what had happened to the commandments of God during this time? What were people doing about the commandments of God? Well, the king said, are you the troubler of Israel? What did Elijah say? No, I'm not the person who has troubled Israel, he says. I'm not the one, but you have troubled Israel because you have forsaken the commandments of God. And so the commandments of God are down there in the gutter. The people, my friend, have accepted the elements of sun worship, the religion of Jezebel is supreme, and there is a famine for 1260 days. I say, does this to anybody here tonight in this great auditorium, does anything here seem to ring? Can you hear something else coming through? Does this remind you of anything? And then, my friend, after the 1260 days, do you know what happened? 
After the, yes, after the 1260 days, Elijah appeared on the scene and Elijah said, there is going to be a restoration of the truth. Ah, can you see, can you see why Elijah's got to come in the last days? Can you see it now? Listen, friend, in the new Testament. Now, I'm simply going to revise some things now. In the New Testament, the Bible tells me that there is a great Jezebel religion. I want you to come over here to Revelation 2 and verse 20, and here you can see how religion is, re, uh, how history is being repeated. Please come, Revelation chapter 2. You know, I get excited. This is, this is absolutely amazing. Revelation, I don't know the page number, but you folk don't need to have the page number now. Revelation chapter 2 and uh, verse 20. You see the whole of the New Testament is based upon these narratives of the old. And you can't understand these prophecies unless you understand the history of the old. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, God says, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And he's talking to Christians who are living there on the dark ages. He said, Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and beguile my servants. Now, listen. Are you listening to me? Hey, are you listening? In Bible prophecy, what does a woman represent? My friend, in Bible prophecy, a woman represents the church, and in the New Testament, Jezebel represents the great apostate church, and she ruled the world for 1260 days, and she brought about a great spiritual famine. You see? And she became, we've noticed, a great power in the year 538. And she went down, my friend, and received the deadly wound in 1798. Now, friend, back there in the days of the Old Testament, after the 1260 days of famine... After this great time of apostasy, after the time when the truth had been thrown down to the ground, after the time the commandments had been changed, after the time, my friend, people had turned away from worshiping the Creator, God said, I'm going to get me a man. God said, I'm going to send my man. God said, I picked out my man. And God said, now Elijah... The time has come for you to come. And Elijah came here after the 1260 days and he came with the message of restoration. And the Bible tells me, my friend, that after 1798, God is going to have a great message arise in this world. The message of the three angels. The message that says, worship the Creator, you see? The message that says, keep my commandments. The message that says, come out of Jezebel. The message that says, come away from sun worship. And Sunday comes from sun worship. That's why it's called Sunday. God is going to have a message and He's going to say, come back to my truth you see. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for it? Elijah is here tonight. 
He is not here in a man. He is not here in a person. Elijah, my friend, is here in the message of God for these times. You hear it? And you and I ought to say tonight, glory, glory, hallelujah, the truth is marching on. Don't you think? Yes. You ought to say it. You ought to believe it. And it ought to stir you. And as Jesus said to those Jews in Luke chapter 4, he turned to those Jews, and after he had talked about the prophecy, Jesus said, This day is this prophecy fulfilled in your ears. I say to you tonight, Elijah is here, and the people don't know it. They don't know it, my friend. They are absolutely blind. They don't know it. The great churches don't know it. The great churches don't want to know it, my friend. But I want to tell you something that in spite of the gates of hell, in spite of the legions of apostasy, in spite, my friend, of Satan himself, the great Elijah message is marching on to glory. Hear that? And what is more, everywhere it goes, people are saying, we're going to walk with it. We're going to march with it. We're going to be with it. You see? Now, here is one bombshell text. Isaiah 58, verse 12, and also verse 13. Those, this is a Latter-day prophecy. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. What do you call this? Restoration. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. The what? The restorer of streets to dwell in. This, my friend, is the great restoration message. And God says... If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable. And it talks about this. The holy day of the Lord, the Lord's day. Verse 14, then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. Do you want to delight yourself in the Lord? Do you want, my friend, to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to have the joy of heaven? Do you want to have the power of God? Then the Bible says, join the Elijah message. My friend, here is the Elijah message to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here is the great religion of Jezebel. There it is the great religion that ruled the world for 1260 days that brought about the great spiritual famine. The time, my friend, when the saints were persecuted. But the Bible says, in the last days, God is going to restore the great truth and Elijah is going to come again. And he would come, my friend, after 1798. 
and according to that great prophecy of the 2,300 days, I say to you tonight, I say it in the fear of God, I say it on the authority of Almighty God's Word, Elijah has come and they knew him not. The Elijah message is here tonight and Elijah is saying, turn to Jesus, turn to God, come out of her, my people, turn from Baal worship, turn from the symbols of the sun God, keep the commandments of God, and keep the Sabbath of the Lord your God. That's the Elijah message. It is here tonight. You see? And you and I ought to be in a hurry to obey it. You hear that? I, I can't understand. I can't understand, and you people aren't like this, but I can't understand how people can become so bogged down in tradition and so hidebound with churches that they say, I've always done this, I've always kept Sunday, I've always believed in infant baptism. Thank God that Martin Luther wasn't like that, or else every person here would be a Roman Catholic and there'd be no America. You hear that? If people had talked like that, there would be no America because America was raised up by people who believed in walking in the light. And you and I, as sons of the Pilgrim Fathers, and not only Americans are sons of the Pilgrim Fathers, you and I, as sons and daughters of the Pilgrim Fathers, ought to be walking out there and on the cutting edge of truth. Yes. 